pause to consider. The podcast where you put your busy day on pause to consider spiritual encouragement and wisdom on your walk towards God's kingdom. Thanks for joining me. I'm Sam Taylor, here to get you thinking about the Word of God. To help you get in the right mindset for this episode, I want to invite you to participate in an experiment. For the first part of this experiment, I want you to pause this podcast Take a moment to reflect on a time in the past week where you felt good about something you did. As you think about that moment, I want you to consider what it was you did, how others reacted, how you felt about it, and how vivid that memory is in your mind today. So go ahead and pause and resume when you're done. Now for the second part. Now I want you to think of just one time in the past year where you felt embarrassed or ashamed. Just as before, you're going to pause this podcast. Take a moment to think about what it was you did, how others reacted, how you felt about it, and how vivid that memory is for you today. Go ahead and pause. Resume when you're done. I imagine the shameful memory came to mind much more quickly, was pictured more vividly, and felt more intense in your good memory even though that good memory was much more recent. So why does our mind recall and feel the negative more powerfully than the positive? Using a process called neuroimaging to view brain activity, researchers have determined the parts of the brain responsible for retrieving bad memories are also involved in processing those very emotions. As a result, those feelings are felt intensely long after the event has occurred. Now, this can be beneficial because it can allow someone to quickly recall and react to threats, which increases our chances for survival. This correlation between negative memories and feelings is relevant not only for our survival, though, but for our social health as well. After all, we are social creatures. The ability to recall events that can jeopardize our standing in our communities and family units can shape our behavior. On a primitive level, this could be beneficial to discourage behavior which is harmful to the group. Unfortunately, either through abuse, trauma, or through unaddressed guilt, people struggling with those negative feelings begin to feel shame. When you hear about shame, you might think about the word guilt soon after. And it's a common misconception that these two feelings are one and the same. However, there is a subtle distinction that requires guilt and shame to be handled differently. Guilt is the recognition we have done something wrong, while shame is a feeling that we are what's wrong. Where guilt is an objective feeling that can be traced to a specific event, shame is a subjective emotion that doesn't originate from one incident. To simplify it, the difference between guilt and shame is the difference between making a mistake and believing that we are the mistake. Shame first appeared in the Garden of Eden after Adam and Eve ate the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. We know this because it says in Genesis 2 verse 25 that the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. And that makes sense, right? If we understand shame as the feeling that something is fundamentally wrong with us, then it had no need to exist in the minds of sinless people. But that's where things change. 
Let's take a look at Genesis 3, verses 7 through 13. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard a sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. Shame can make us feel just like when Adam and Eve realized they were naked. That level of pressure, real or imagined, is enough to make anyone want to disappear on the spot. We can often find ourselves acting like they did in unpleasant situations when we seek to hide what we think is wrong with us instead of addressing it head on. When we are dealing with feelings of inadequacy, how does God help us to overcome those emotions and break the cycle? To answer this, let's read from Mark chapter 10, verses 46 through 52. And they came to Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, Call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. For as long as he could remember, Bartimaeus was reduced to a life of begging. He relied solely on the kindness of others in a country that had lost its way from the true religion that cared for the afflicted and marginalized. In a religious culture where physical deformities served as a metaphor for spiritual uncleanness, this poor man was a living beacon of shame by no fault of his own. Then one day he heard a commotion passing through Jericho only to find out a large crowd surrounded the one man who could heal him. Where instinct would have him give up, faith compelled him to publicly seek Jesus despite the malicious crowd. For his faith-driven actions, he was healed. We are that blind beggar. We all carry the shame of sin nature by no fault of our own, compounded by our perpetual inability to get things right. Without God, we're reduced to temporary coping mechanisms just to get by. But when we reach out to Jesus, he can make us whole. We're all human and we all make mistakes. Our unchecked guilt can easily transform into shame as we feel that it's not just that we did something wrong, 
but that we are unworthy. It's not ourselves that makes us worthy, but it's Christ that makes us worthy. Through him, we are so much more than our mistakes and our shame. And let's turn over to Romans 7, verses 24 and 25, and go into Romans 8, verses 1 through 3, to see what the Apostle Paul has to say on the matter. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Romans 7 reminds us of our condition, how we want to do good but keep making mistakes. Romans 8 encourages us and tells us that not only does God love us anyway, but there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. If we seek after God in the same way that Bartimaeus pressed towards Jesus, then we can take comfort in knowing God has separated our shortcomings from our calling. And it's important for us to remember that not only for ourselves, but for others also. The Lord Jesus Christ did not need to remind the beggar of his blindness. He knew. When we see others stumble, we shouldn't reinforce the shame they're already feeling. They know. We need to offer compassion where others would turn away. We need to point them towards a spiritual covering of Christ instead of a superficial cover-up. It's our responsibility to remind each other of our intrinsic worth in Christ, that we have been predestined, called, justified, and glorified by God himself through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. I know you'll still probably struggle with your shortcomings because that's what we're hardwired to do. Please know that while you have made mistakes, you are the farthest thing possible from a mistake because you have been deliberately chosen to be an adopted child of the Most High God. And to conclude with the words of the Apostle Paul from Romans 8, verses 38 through 39, I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. I want to thank you for listening to another devotion here on Pause to Consider. If you found this devotion helpful, please share it with your friends and with your loved ones. And if you haven't done so already, you can subscribe to Pause to Consider on Apple Podcasts, or your preferred podcast platform, where you can leave a review and a rating so that others can find this podcast. If you have any thoughts or feedback, I'd love to hear it. You can email me at pause to consider podcast at gmail.com, and you can also reach out to me on my Facebook and Instagram pages. But above all else, I hope this episode was helpful for you. And I pray that God will be with you until we meet again, whether it be on our next episode or in God's kingdom. God bless. Thank you for listening to Pause to Consider. 
I'm Levi, and I wanted to be sure you've heard about a few other podcasts in the WCF network. I am actually one of the co-hosts on a show called A Little Faith, where we explore faith breakdowns and buildups with different people who have very powerful stories to tell. That's A Little Faith. Tom and Naomi are exploring how we interact in our ecclesial relationships in From the Platform. It's a very in-depth series that is incredibly helpful for understanding and developing compassion and better listening practices. You can find both of those wherever you get your podcasts or our website, WC Foundation dot org slash podcasts. Have a great week.